When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to talk about the defense tonight, that defensive game against the Rams, which had certainly some positives to talk about. Here to discuss it with me is Alec Pulianis. Alec, how are you doing, my friend? Doing well, Ken. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm eager to do this. I, I was joking with my wife. I can't believe we're here, right? I remember we asked me to do this back in September or maybe in August. And uh, here we are now in January. And it's been a very interesting year, as we alluded to in the uh, pre-show. Yeah, up and up and down to be sure. You know, it's a trying year in a number of ways, but th- this team had, you know, flaws that were probably apparent before, well, with the injuries, because they've been here the whole season, but before COVID came along and decimated the roster at a very critical time, obviously, um, and before all of the additional injuries piled on to, to, to make it all that much worse. But this team had some significant flaws, and, and I think there's a fair an analog is the 2020 Steelers, who were 11 and 0, wagering markets were making them about a 17 percent chance to finish off the season and as undefeated, and we know that went south in a big hurry. With they lost what five games, including the playoff game, out of six, I think it was. That's right. Yeah, yep. so it would have been 17. I think no, I think it was all their remaining five games and then their sixth playoff game. I think they didn't win again. They did not uh, win again. Okay, I yeah. thought they won one more time to get in, but you might be right. 
Yeah. All right. So anyway, uh, you know, awful season certainly for for uh, uh, you know for the finish here. Ravens have played very hard. It's, it hasn't been a question of they haven't been trying. I think they have been trying. I don't think they they go and tank against the Steelers, even though that might have some value for draft pick purposes. Um, I I don't. I think the 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 order of drafting is, if I know, is all determined by strength of schedule. So you rank in the division and whatever tiebreakers exist there. I don't believe they help you at draft mm-hmm. time. Uh, but the Ravens could finish fourth in the division for purposes of scheduling if they uh, if they lose their remaining game. Uh, it is possible anyway. So a, a, a uh, uh, terrible season so far um, in terms of, of the, the, the letdown here. The Ravens had some key players on defense return in this one, but they also lost Adafi Owe. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was a big loss for them. I mean... We knew that the quick pressures would be important in this game. The pass rush would be hugely important. Um, we know Adafi Owe brings a lot of positives in the run game, and the run defense was um, kind of here or there. They made some big plays for loss of yardage, but they also uh, got gashed for some longer plays and first down uh, converting running plays. Uh, so, yeah, definitely a big loss not having Owe here, and I'm curious if he'll be available for the last game of the season at this point, considering his doubtful uh, designation. Right. A foot injury, Harbaugh said today, he has a chance to play. I never believe that anyway. I mean, <laughs> Everyone has a chance even, to play. I, I don't even know why. I have a I chance. Discussed. Ken, you have a chance. Yes. Everyone yes. has a chance. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, you and I have a chance because, <laughs> because of the Ravens' current situation. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, uh, I, I, yeah, the Ravens now uh, tied an NFL record. I don't know if you heard about this already, but uh, this is their sixth loss. Sorry, not six loss. Six game decided by yes. two points or fewer. They're the fifth team in NFL history to do it. Uh, they've gone two and four in these games, and four other teams, including the 1997 Ravens, uh, also were among the six. And the 1970 Chargers did it in 14 games, and they have the reverse asterisk of doing it even though in a shorter series because they, of course, didn't have any overtime at that point. And the Chargers had three ties that season. So obviously some of those games might have been decided with, you know, with a 15 or 10-minute overtime. So uh, uh, very incredibly strange season in terms of all these one- and two-point games uh, being so close. We've had seasons where the Ravens have played a lot of one-score games, and, and oftentimes that's been when the Ravens have been bad. 2015 in particular comes to mind with, with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I thought um, you're alluding to your article, the um, defensive overview, and I thought this was one of the better ones you've done all season, Ken, because you had a lot of these season-long pieces in here or uh, kind of historical pieces as well. And, um, yeah, this uh, close losses, I mean, it's, it's kind of an arbitrary line from the last few games, but you can go even further and say, if you look at it three points, you're looking at um, a whole bunch more games, right? You have the game against uh, the Lions. I believe uh, the Raiders and the Chiefs game would apply. Uh, the game against, um, maybe against the Colts too. I mean, it, the, the amount of games that were incredibly close, maybe even the scoreboard doesn't quite show it, but the way they were won is remarkable this season. Uh, our blood pressure was always high watching this team. Yep. Yeah, it certainly was. And, uh, you know, we don't want to quite write the epitaph yet on this on this group because they still have a chance in Week 17. And, and, and I, I value that. I want to go to the game, suspend my disbelief for three hours, and <laughs> able to, be able to, to just enjoy them, compete, win a football game, and still have a chance to make the playoffs. Then we can go home and... I hope the Jaguars are not down fourteen to nothing to the Colts already by the time we get there. Right. And, uh, 
you know, it could it could go bad. I, I, I haven't heard that they're going to play all the games at 4 o'clock. Normally that's the response. But I think because this is the Roethlisberger going away party and the Ravens' chance is so slim, they probably would keep this game at 1 o'clock if they keep any game at 1 o'clock uh, just to have a event on at 1 p.m. But otherwise, I, I would think most of the games would get moved to 4 um, it's, it does not seem reasonable from a competitive standpoint or a draft standpoint to allow people to know their fate before they before they play their game. Right. I do think that they already made all the moves, um, and the Ravens are still playing at one, but I could be incorrect. I did see a schedule come out today with some bolds that I think suggested maybe some movement, um, but it wasn't us. I think we were still at one. It did not include the Ravens. Okay, other AFC teams, the the Raiders, the Colts, teams like the Raiders that. Chargers game. Like that's the weirdest one right now. Is that my understanding is if they just all take a kneel, they'll both get in. <laughs> so, um, meaning a tie would get them both in. Yeah, correct. Okay. Um, so like, there's almost no reason for them to play because um, they would actively hurt one another if they played. Um, they could kind of get a buy out of it, but uh, yeah. It's weird. I think it does predicate on um, the Jags potentially winning, and that's the whole thing is the Jags play first currently, um, so they would know their fate. But uh, Yeah, that's yeah. not good. Yeah, it's it, it's a weird setup. I'm not sure if it's finalized at this point, but there is definitely uh, some inequalities there. And we were talking about that, too, when you look at the Steelers game coming up, not to get away from the defense, but they're not that mo- And also, you just look at where everyone's lined up. There's not many draft picks to be gained. Obviously, every single one matters because it could be that player you wanted mm-hmm. but um there's not much movement in total draft capital that's going to happen from this right so it's because these are picks between let's say 10 and 18 or something or 10 and 22 even 21 i don't even 22. think it's that close ken i think it's literally maybe within 16 like 14 to 18 is this one okay yeah hmm. I, I i have not looked at it so i i'm uh, i'll defer on that let's move on uh, I, you know, there's a lot of ways you could look at this game and be negative about it, and we're going to have our chance to do that as we go through because there's some players who, who didn't come through on defense, obviously. But there's also I, I wanted to talk about the big plays in this game because the Ravens' defense kept the team in this game. The offense didn't do anything. The offense didn't get in the end zone. The offense had you know delay of game penalties that inexplicably kept biting them in the butt, including a very important one down near the goal line. Um, they really blew some good red zone opportunities and goal to go opportunities. So uh, I. Th- I I think really the defense did what it needed to do. And I wanted to look at the top five plays here, top six plays I think I've got here. I've got five. If you have any others to toss in here, by the way, ones that are – no, I actually got six um, <laughs> that, that are big, uh, do it by all means. And, and I, I've got my list from one to six, though, and I'll, I'll, I'll go in reverse order with my number six play. Okay, the Q2-222 on third and 19. They allowed a 17-yard completion uh, to Beckham, uh, tackled short of the sticks. There and I, I forget who made that tackle. Whether it was Stevens or there was I don't think it was Stevens that time. It was a group effort, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so they, they stopped them too short, and they forced a punt on that play. That's the sixth best for me. Any other any others you have in here? Just jump in. Otherwise, I'm just going to rip through them here. Sure, go ahead. On, on third and ten, uh, this is with Q2 1253. Um, they had an ample time and space opportunity. Uh, they threw to Beckham uh, deep down the middle of the field. Clark intercepted at the four yard line. It, it was an important to get that stop, but that result was better for the Rams than many punts would have been. 
So Correct. from that perspective, I, I'm, I don't think it was, uh, uh, you know, a great thing. That's the way old-time football used to be played, by the way. You go back to the 1970s when I grew up with football, you get a third and 10, third and 11, third and 12. The chance of converting a first down was very low. So a lot of teams would just throw a long pass and, and almost hope for an interception. I heard Tony hmm. Romo refer to it once uh, when he threw an interception. Uh, it was on a third and long play. He goes, "That's not a you know, that's not an interception. That's a punt." And then Ed Reed returned it a whole long way. Of course, he had, <laughs> you know, so they got a big punt return. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Uh, I, I will throw out there uh, mm-hmm. the cool thing about that play that kind of was lost in the um, television broadcast is just the way that Clark came about it. So um, definitely, I know the the next one of the next plays you'll talk about uh, the pick six it was more film study, but I felt like this was a film study play too, because he was pretty, uh, you know, up in the box and had to retreat and bail back to get that interception. And it kind of just looked like he magically appeared and was waiting for the ball to land to him. Mm -hmm. But what actually happened was he was sprinting backwards to get there and identified the play. So uh, a very good play. We saw it all unfolding and it was really exciting um, to see that. You know, it was kind of nice to see him get a couple picks and use his hands well. But but you're right about Clark. Generally, I think he's been really exceptional at moving the round the, on the field into good positions that are not directly his assignment. And and what that tells me is, as a safety, he'd be a very good robber safety. Mm-hmm. So it it really goes more towards his in the box ability. He's not going to be on the back end of most brackets, but he's going to come up, going to try and read the quarterback, uh, figure out what route he can undercut in the middle of the field. And, of course, that's where a lot of passes go. Um, and if he's good also at um, picking up the garbage, you know, meaning tip balls in the middle of the field, you, you get you get some real good opportunities out of that. So I, I'm hoping maybe they, they use him in that kind of role. I know they need him on the back end sometimes, but uh, it seems like he does more to roam the field than people really give him credit for. All right, let's jump ahead. Um, uh, Q3, 336. They had a third and three opportunity with ample time and space again. Stafford threw to Higby. Pass went right for two yards. Stevens, outstanding across the field run to track down Higby as he was having some difficulty with the ball being slightly behind him, getting turned up field again. And then Stevens made the tackle. Really great play by Stevens. And he's had some good ones in recent weeks. Yeah, interesting play all around with Stevens, and I would add in Stone. Um, it looked like this game, they really started to use more of these, um, and you'll talk about it, I'm sure, with your uh, packages, but more of these big nickel packages with three safeties, allowing Clark to be in the box um, and using those two in the back, or, and sometimes Jefferson. Uh, so really, really cool to see this development from the Ravens' defense, and is a, a note to go into the next season of kind of some of the personnel we might see more of. Yeah, I think I, we definitely will get to that because the, the safety play in this game, the safety substitution was really something very strange. I've, I've rarely seen it from the Ravens. Um, go ahead to Q4-120. So the third and one play. And this was one where I thought the previous play, the Ravens might do their old intentional offsides. We'll talk about that as well. But at the Ravens' eight, third and one, Sony Michel uh, had to – Stretch left past the penetrating Campbell. Houston also kind of pushed him further to the outside. Didn't really increase the bubble much, but Jimmy Smith then tripped him up for uh, a run left for minus four. It's interesting. He brought his sock down. He's actually pulling his leg down slightly too, which forced his toe to hit when he didn't expect and go down. So it was a legitimate tackle. It was just, it was just one of these weird things you capture in an NFL game once in a while. It really shows it is a game of quarter inches sometimes. 
Oh yeah, it was a total like shoelace experience, right? Yeah. Like just enough of a push on like the bottom of his cleat. Like if he had maybe shorter cleats, he wouldn't have hit it. You know, it was it was very very uh, close. But it was uh, that whole play, just the way it developed, um, the stretch aspect of it Campbell making penetration Houston making penetration it all happened very fast but it was kind of in slow motion because of how important it was for the game and uh the way that he kind of fell was uh, almost a surprise you didn't see it coming per se because it could have easily been a missed tackle um so a very just uh exciting play that uh made, made Ravens fans skip beats yeah, well, certainly, uh, you know, getting that fourth and five was, was exactly what they were looking for. It looked like McVeigh was trying to call timeout before the play, and I can see why as you watch the play from, like, overhead or from the side or whatever. I mean, the Ravens were overloaded on that left side. Uh, so, I, I, you know, you look at that, they really had numbers to that side. So it was, they weren't going to be able to block everyone, and that, that probably meant the play was going to fail. The question just was, was it going to end up being a loss or was it going to end up being, you know, no gain or, or, you know, not a first down? And it ended up being a big loss that really gave the chance, the Ravens a chance to win the game. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they, they completed the fourth and five play to Beckham, and then they, they completed the next play for a touchdown. So it didn't really end up helping the Ravens in terms of uh, um, having – those couple of plays run right from a time perspective yep. from a time perspective yes to get a to get the redraw value out of the situation um we'll go to the next play it's a q3 11 12 uh this was their first drive the last play of it at the ravens 11 yard line on first and 10 bowser uh beat rob havenstein the left tackle inside for a strip sack uh really beautiful play rolled over him almost looked like he was going to miss the tackle and then all of a sudden the ball's out and Houston pounced on it. Very, very athletic play, obviously, for Bowser to, to win that matchup inside and then also uh, to, to get over, over the quarterback and still get him down despite almost, almost missing him. But uh, great play and obviously a hugely important play to uh, get a turnover at the 11-yard line. For sure. I mean, if you look at the second half of the Ravens' defense, um, Stafford was 14 for 14, I believe. He didn't miss a single pass play. The only reason they didn't score on one of these drives was because of this uh, turnover that was uh, generated. And it was, like you said, kind of almost oddly generated. I think if he had a successful sack there and it wasn't uh, almost evaded by Stafford, he wouldn't have had the opportunity for the fumble, uh, the strip. But it ended up working out that way. It was a super exciting play. Um big momentum shift because like i said they came out from the half with that possession they went right down the field uh by a variety of pass and run plays that were just you know kind of at will going down the field yep and that was and that was slowed down there um yeah very interesting defensive game we'll, we'll continue to talk about it but uh, just the way the momentum went and the, their overall performance yeah all right the number one play of course uh, Q1-203 on third and two, so it's an important play to start with. Uh, Stafford threw for Higby between the right hash and the numbers. Clark had his own assignment on that side. He undercut that route, leaving his own assignment, which, love it. That's, this is more robber evidence right here uh, for the interception at the 17 that easily was able to be run in for a pick six. Uh, Clark having probably his best game as a Raven, certainly one of them uh, in, in this one, and, uh, and that was one of the big plays of his career today. Yes, uh, he was on Odell Beckham Jr., but you could see him having his eyes on Stafford the whole way and anticipating the route. He talked about seeing it uh, in the film study and, and preparing for it in practice. 
Uh, you also notice on that play, Queen was banging his helmet and gesturing for something uh, before the play started. He was the one that was on Higby. Um, I don't know if he saw anything there either. I was just like, I observed it. So he was the one on Higby. But like I said, uh, and like and you pointed out as well, Chuck Clark left his assignment, said Obel, Odell's not getting this ball. It's going to Higby, undercut it, and uh, completely untouched, un, uncontested into the end zone. Yeah, outstanding play. I think, you know, we, we can, we can, a lot of things went wrong in this game in terms of not being able to hold up in coverage on the back end, in terms of allowing Higby a lot of ability to make space versus zone coverages in particular. Um, but, but in general, I, I would say, uh, but they did a really reasonable job of, of shutting down Beckham during the game. Uh, they did a you know reasonable job, I thought, of of you know keeping some of the really big plays from occurring that I have in the past few weeks. They had some decent sized plays, you know. They had some gains in the twenties and whatnot. I'm trying to think if they if they had a longer one for thirty something yards. I have to go back and look at that. Yeah, eighteens and nineteens, twenty two. Sorry, what? Yeah, I would just say um, this. They kind of played the perfect game plan from a defensive perspective. When I looked at the matchup, I said. I think they'll get some empty calories between the twenties. It's all about mm-hmm. you know making some stops, getting turnovers uh, to really be effective against this team because you know they're going to get yards just given the personnel and our personnel and all that good stuff. Um, I thought they basically the defense played it about as well as I anticipated um, in this game given the matchup, right? And uh, it's just a shame it wasn't enough in this matchup. Yep, it was uh, it was another one that got away. So anyway, uh, played a good team very well, much like the Packers. Seems like they played the whole NFC uh, pretty damn close this <laughs> yeah. year in terms of uh, the Bears and that game there. And the, and the Vikings, uh, yeah, I mean, they're all nail-biters. Yeah, the Lions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, Lions. The, the Packers with a two-point conversion. I mean, every single game against the NFC was very close. Um, one of the things that came up in this game, and I thought – Either of these two opportunities would make sense. Was the Ravens declined to to attempt two intentional offsides in this game? That's very unusual because the Ravens have have been have had a good record of of trying the intentional offsides in in recent years. In three years, they've done it three times, and the two times that they decided not to do it in this game were almost exact mirror images. Of almost exact duplicates of, of opportunities they've had before. Mirror images applies to the reverse, right? This is reverse. This is the same thing. Um, so, so they had, for example, uh, they got the ball down, what was it, to the one-and-a-half-yard line before they scored their touchdown. The Ravens had a nickel defense on the field. They would have preferred from that position on the field to have a jumbo defense on the field. The Ravens usually put on three safeties. They take out their corners. Um, they might keep one corner on, but they probably keep no corners on and, and just play with three safeties and eight heavies. Uh, they did not do that, and um, all that it would have taken was Chuck Clark lining up in the backfield as he did in Buffalo in 2019 uh, being called for a neutral zone infraction. They could have called it from the sideline very easy. Instead of the 1.5, it would have been the 0.75 yard line. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Ravens would have been in a, a much, I think, a much better position to stop that if they'd had Jumbo on the field. And, of course, they ran, they steamrolled right over who the Ravens had on the field, you know, in the nickel with the personnel they had. So uh, it, 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 was a, it was a lost opportunity, and that's not one of the ones that the opponent can decline. Mm-hmm. You know, so that they don't get any value from declining that penalty because you still get to substitute. Yes. So it's it's uh, it, it'd be an interesting one and to, to have taken. But the other one, you know, was very similar to the one taken in recent weeks. They had a second and two uh, came up. It was bef- it was the play before the third and one when they ran for one yard with two minutes to go. 
And that was a play where if Clark jumps offside a two-minute warning, first of all, you got all the time in the world you want to think about it and to decide on it and to do and to do it. Of course, the Rams might also still decline the penalty in that case. Uh, then you then you have to play second and two again. But I don't see the disadvantage in trying it that way. I don't think you're cluing the Rams into something that they're brainiacs on the headset mm. shouldn't know about, right? I mean, they should have some game management person on the sure. headset would be, you know, good at that kind of thing. And and they might say, you know, decline the penalty, but if they if they do, then, you know, it um might or might not put them in a position to run out more clock and give the Ravens less of a chance to come back. But with two minutes left, the Ravens probably could have forced that score to happen at about 150 instead of um, 120 mm-hmm. uh, if had they decided to uh, do the outsides. And they would have had three timeouts left, or, or they might have had two timeouts left, say. Yeah, I thought that was curious myself. I do know that during the presser um, today, Harbaugh mentioned that they were they were just trying to get the stop there. They weren't trying to do the uh, let's just let them score fast and uh, you go, can do both. Score. Sure, sure. Understood. I, I completely agree with you. And um, I definitely think not going for uh, or not taking that penalty opportunity there was an interesting choice. I think that whole last sequence was really hard um, from a timing perspective because you notice that um, the <sighs> The Ravens were in a position to either stop it completely, go ahead and, um, you know, get the ball back and just finish it, right? But then the problem was it kept changing. Then they got down the field closer, and then it was like, oh, should they score right ahead? And then, boom, you get another hit uh, when they get the tackle in the backfield. Um, And then they, uh, you know, fourth and five, you feel like there's a shot. And then, nope, they convert that. Okay, crap. <laughs> they probably should have just stopped it then, all then and there. Um, so there was just a lot of back and forth on that drive from, should we stop them now? Oh, we have a chance to stop them entirely and win the game. Right. Um, and it, it was hard. Yeah, they, they, that happened in the first half, too. It was interesting. The Rams were calling timeout during the first half with the Ravens having the ball. And I thought, well, if the Ravens got one first down, they'll shut that right down. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, get a scoring opportunity out of it. And then they got a first down. And Huntley makes one of the worst plays of the season, throwing that interception. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's Brown's fault. I don't know. Maybe it's a miscommunication. I, I, the quarterback is at fault. He's got he's to take all decision tree outcomes for that football, <laughs> you know, when, when that's thrown. If, if it hits the receiver's hands and bounce off, that's the one situation where I really, uh, you know, side with the quarterback in that situation. But that was, that was just that was a horrible interception and, and the kind of result that will cost you a football game. And it did in this case. Yeah. Uh, and the most brutal part was knowing – if you're there, I, I don't know how clear it was in the TV broadcast, but Mark Andrews was incredibly open, uh, mm-hmm. you know, social distanced beyond belief uh, on the field, had nothing but uh, daylight in front of him. He could have maybe even scored a touchdown, at least a first down on that play if he was thrown to. And he was the check down. Uh, Harb convert, uh, confirmed in the presser today that he was the check down on that play. So just a huge miss on that play in right. so many facets. Yep. That's, uh, that's certainly a loss. Harbaugh, more salty about the offense in this game than he has been. I mean, he's always kind of deferential to his own players, which is the way any head coach should be. But to say, hey, if we score in the red zone, we win the game, mm-hmm. that's, that's, the, that's really laying the blame 
on in a particular spot. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the, it's the uh, sort of thing we don't hear very often from. Sometimes you hear it about an individual player who's got a bad mm-hmm. work ethic, but you don't really normally hear it about, uh, about one side of the ball or not. Yeah, particularly I think the last few weeks where the defense from uh, take out the Cincinnati game in many ways performed about as well as you could expect given the oh, matchup. Yeah. With the shortcomings. Then, yeah. Sure. Yeah, with the shortcomings. And then the offense just not quite doing it. Um, that's really been the story of these last few games. Yeah. Uh, let's talk packages a little bit. And I don't have a lot to say about this. They played a standard nickel for most of the game. They never played the base package, not even one time. The Rams, uh, you know, as with other teams, are too smart in terms of uh, not allowing the Ravens to uh, easily get into a base package. So even when the Ravens played, uh, tw- when the Rams played 12 personnel, they still have some receiving threats at tight end, most notably Higby. And uh, he, uh, you know, put them in a position where they had to play this big nickel that you alluded to. So they played the standard nickel uh, a number of times. Let me get that. Let me get it right exactly because I yeah. got this thirty-three yeah. times. Thirty-three times. There you go. And how many yards was that? Do you have it right in front of you, right here? Let's see. Uh, two hundred and three yards. Two hundred and three yards. So yep. why am I not finding it? It's my article. Six point two <laughs> yards per play. Okay. And then they. I thought this was going to be more difficult to separate and then I realized what they'd done. So they, they were in a nickel alignment where they had three safeties and two corners on the field a lot in this game. Mm-hmm. And they did it primarily versus twelve personnel, but also some against eleven personnel, where they would use uh, some co- three out of four of Steven Stone, Jefferson, and Clark on the field at the same time. And I think this is really worth discussing in terms of, of, of how they might approach this next year. But when I actually separated the plays, all of those were a jumbo nickel as well. So they only had one inside linebacker on the field when they did it that way. And they had three down linemen. So they were, it was really kind of a heavy run-stopping set with an extra safety as well um, to try and stop the pass. So it's, it's, kind of, it's as in-between as you can get trying to stop the pass and the run on the same play. It's this jumbo slash big nickel. So they played that 17 times in the game. They gave up 7.8 yards per play. So it wasn't particularly successful. Um, but, uh, you know, they they were reasonably effective stopping the run, four, four plays for 17, a small sample size, of course. But um, I like the ingenuity of this in this game. And I, I've got more to say on it, but I want to give you a chance here to respond to it. Yeah, I, I'm looking at the snap totals, and I'm curious uh, – when you had this breakdown of a single inside linebacker, I imagine it was kind of a rotation with Queens and Bynes because um, it doesn't look like there was uh, a clear, oh, those 17 plays, clearly it wasn't Queen on the play. Uh, do you have a breakdown of that? No, I, I did not break it down, but I believe you are correct that it was Bynes. So, okay, Bynes was the only inside linebacker. Look at my sheet. Queen was the only inside linebacker the second series. Then Bynes. And then some more Bynes as the only inside linebacker. Then Queen for the only inside linebacker. Queen for the only inside linebacker. And then we had instances where Board was the only inside linebacker on passing downs. Hmm. But, yeah, it was it was a mix. And it looks like they went series by series with some of that rotation of, of who was their guy. That's fascinating. It's always interesting to know, like, game plan. Like, that must have been pre-discussed in a way, you know? Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so. they, they, they had to figure They figured out this is a package they want to go to. I always give Martindale credit because you, you, you really see it in the packages, but it shows up in the pass rush as well, just how different his game plan is by opponent. And if you're one of those people out there who's really uh, hoping that either the Ravens' offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator gets fired, I got nothing for you. 
I got nothing for you. You may as well turn this show off right now because I, I love <laughs> yeah. them both. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to tell you that, that um, Martindale has done a wonderful job with incredibly limited resources down the stretch here. Um, you know, he's been terrific. They've been terrific in terms of scoring defense the last three years. Um, it, you look at uh, Roman and he's had the highest scoring offense in the league the previous two years. He's had a season where Lamar Jackson's got hurt, where the, the running backs have been decimated. The offensive line has been decimated. And they're still able to do some things offensively with a couple backup back quarterbacks and a couple of different backup quarterbacks. You know, they, they've been able to move the ball a little bit with Huntley and, and design plays that got the ball out of his hand quickly enough. They, they got the ball out of Josh Johnson's hand mm-hmm. quickly enough to have him do some positive things. It's just it's frustrating to me to con- continually hear Greg Roman bashed. And, you know, if you really think this is, this is about play calling, what's happened to the 2021 Ravens, I got nothing for you. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it'd be very interesting if the subset of people who listen to this show are all the same people who want these guys gone, because mm-hmm. um, whilst nothing is so perfect, you can't complain about it. I'm totally in that mm-hmm. camp. We can make complaints. We can have things we want to see fixed. The overall like body of work, to me, is outstanding. And, and, a, and a key reason why the Ravens are in it. It's a reason we have hope every week that they're going to be able to pull it off, despite the personnel the inactive list uh the things going on outside the game they are so well managed (laughs) and uh yeah i I hear you ken and and the other the other part that i really like is the decision making this year i think has been harbaugh's best year of doing it now he's He's had great teams for making such decisions. So the, the you know you look at the 2019 Ravens and how they exploited their opponents on fourth down and knew that they could do it, planned ahead to use fourth down against the opponent. That was great. But I mean, don't don't forget the entire season for what happened on two two point conversions. How about that fourth and one against Kansas City in week two? That's oh, a sure. ballsy as hell call. And and there's very few coaches who would have said, "Let's go for it." Mm-hmm. I, there's very few. Oh um, man, I was all over Facebook after that, Ken, because so many people were complaining there, and I was just like, "Oh my God, I'm here to tell you why you're wrong," <laughs> because it's really making my blood boil. <laughs> I mean, it, it, the, the fact of the matter is, all NFL coaches, Harbaugh included, still don't go for it as often as they should on fourth down. Correct. Meaning you, you can you justify mathematically going for fourth and six from your own thirty a lot of the time, uh, but they but they don't really uh, do that, and, and teams are going to evolve in that direction, I believe such that we'll see more of it. Uh, but uh, but we are where we are right now, particularly as the game becomes made easier for offenses to maintain control of the football. It becomes more important to steal possessions by making a fourth and six play occasionally. And, you know, I guess as a, as a corollary to that, your chance of making that fourth and six play probably goes up as they continue to ease the rules and make it easier for pitch and catch type receptions in the secondary because they're limiting contact and they're, uh, you know, not allowing the quarterback to be hit or, you know, otherwise blown on or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. You know, I think to wrap up this conversation about the coaches is that I truly do believe Harbaugh would not be the coach of the Ravens right now if he wasn't so aggressive. So the thing that many people think is the reason why he should get fired isn't quite frankly the reason he still has a job, in my opinion. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. And this is this is a really sad, lost playoff season. You know, sure. a lost season out of Lamar's prime. But, uh, you know, I, I don't look at this and say, Harbaugh lost us this season any more than I look at somebody who, who has their, their season come down to two coin flips and loses them both. 
gotcha. I mean, that's effectively what happened with those two two-point conversions. They make either of those, you know, they're playing for a playoff spot next week without any help from anybody else. Correct. And then once you're in the playoffs, like, you know, yeah. anything can happen. It really yeah, is. Any, uh, anything can happen, but this team, honestly, with all the injuries, is, is not good, is not good it, enough to compete in the playoffs. Sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 it would take a remarkable uh, series of, of fortunate turns. Right. Yes. You know what I would love? I'd love to get into the playoffs and go to Tennessee and beat them in their house. Once that's, again. <laughs> that, that's, that's what I would Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they've yeah. Done, they seem to do it in our house. We seem to do it in theirs. But um, that's what I would really love to see out of this season if there was one thing. And then that would make the, it, that would make the season a success just from my perspective, that alone. Yeah. I, think, uh, I think getting uh, Roethlisberger in his last game might be good, too. It'll be a little bit of a, another, uh, I don't know, cherry. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> a, a tad anticlimactic, so I'm going to have to disagree on that one. Let's talk about the pass rush a little bit. Um, Stafford has struggled a lot with pressure this year, and, and notoriously so. He'd, he'd been, uh, I, I forget if it was versus the blitz or versus pressure, but he, was, he had a 26 quarterback rating. That sounds more like pressure than the blitz. Okay, because you're, you, usually you're taking out a subset of plays where you expect the quarterback to be bad, and then he has a really bad passer rating, and then you don't really have a way to know if that's really a good or bad passer rating for that, except that 26 is so low, you probably have a good idea that that's a bad passer rating. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of like I, I, um, saying a baseball player uh, hit 784 in a bats where he had an RBI. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. So there's a few RBI ground outs in there and, you know, whatever else. But most of the time, you're uh, uh, getting you on base get as well. Yeah. And I don't have any way to know if that's a good, <laughs> that's a good number or not. Anyway, so the, so the Ravens, they only rushed uh, five or more on five occasions in this game. Uh, mm-hmm. So that they did not do much with numbers. Uh, they gave Stafford ample time and space on 17 of 36 dropbacks. That's too often, 47%. Uh, without a Duffy away, it was going to be difficult. They might have had to scheme for more pressure. Of course, that means more easy, hot reads for a quarterback like Stafford, who's fairly, fairly good with that. Um, he only had seven ball-out quick instances, so the Ravens still generated pressure about a third of the time. Not great, um, 12 times within three seconds. Um, with ample time space, he threw 8.8 yards per play. That is not very good. So 14 out of 17 for 149 yards, 8.8 yards per play. You'd want more than that from your quarterback when they have ample time space. And he did also have both his interceptions uh, on those among those 17 uh, pass plays. Yeah, agreed. And I would ask, I'd also just add in, um, there was a couple like close calls there. I remember, um, one of the things I kind of wanted to see was, uh, off, um, I think you call it off ball blitzes. blitzes. Yeah. Um, I wanted to see that and, and kind of obviously compensate your coverage to cover that, that hole and maybe even get generate an interception opportunity. And Mm -hmm. we had, um, I believe it was Seymour completely unblocked yes. uh, going after him. And then the completion was made to cut because the zone was not adequate to, you know, contest that play. So it was un- unfortunately not effective, but it was the right idea in my opinion. So I was happy to see it called. Yeah, that was a 22 yard play. First play of quarter two that you're referring to. And he was right up in his face, no doubt about it. So it, it, he should have impacted the throw. Um, Stafford got it off on, on, on target where he wanted to go. 
anyway, just to, th- to finish this off a little bit, the ball out quick, he was 3 for 7, 2.4 yards per play. And when he was pressured, and this is where Stafford has not been good, he was 9 of 11 for 134 yards, 11.2 yards per play. Did have a sack allowed, did have a turnover. That was on the, uh, on the sack fumble. Yep. Sack fumble. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, same point. You're, I see what you're saying now. Okay. So it, it's what I would call an inverted game that you, you throw better under pressure than you do under ample time and space. Uh, weird, certainly, but uh, and, and not very Stafford-like uh, to have this happen. So anyway, uh, I mentioned that they, they really were rushing three or four the whole game. They didn't have success no matter how they rushed Stafford. 9.0 yards per play when they rushed three, 7.4 when they rushed four, uh, 13.2 when they rushed five. That was only five plays, as I mentioned before. They never rushed six, more, six or more in this entire game, which is very unusual for the Ravens to go a whole game like that. Yeah, they kind of gave him the uh, Rodgers or Mahomes treatment of, of mm-hmm. not the heavy blitzes. Um, and I think Stafford is an interesting quarterback to do that too, right? Uh, kind of alluding to his tendency to make boat-headed plays, right? Yeah. <laughs> For lack of a better term. And he did them just like you, in an inverted way. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. he's a, he's he reminds me of Philip Rivers in a lot of ways. Rivers also kind of a boneheaded quarterback in terms of of things he can do with the football. Uh, but yeah, there's just a lot of similarity between those two. That's a, that's a you know a fair statement. Um, you mentioned off ball blitzes. There are five of them in this game. All individual plays. Um, they went for five point six yards per play. There were four design stunts. Now those were good. Incomplete, incomplete, sack fumble minus nine, and a pass for five. So minus one yards per play with a turnover. So the stunts did give Stafford a little bit of trouble, or at least the results were among the worst in this. The, the stunt itself was not what got Bowser home for the sack fumble minus nine because he just he just beat the right tackle straight up to the inside. Right. But, uh, but anyway, it, it, the fact that they used stunts on some of these other plays was interesting. Yeah, that was almost a bad play by... Um... I guess their offensive line assignments, because if I recall correctly, he got chipped right into the inside leverage and mm-hmm. uh, and had a good path, whereas uh, it seemed like the, the uh, right guard or right tackle there just didn't play the assignment right, given the chip. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, you often see that, and it's one of the downside of chip blocking is that you, you, you may give away a wrong side pressure to your opponent because Mm -hmm. he he gets effectively chipped. But most of the time I'd say, you know, any additional shot you can give to the rib cage of a pass rusher is a very positive thing and generally will pay dividends to slow down the pass rush as the game goes on. Sure. Yeah. Um, All right. Anything else we want to talk about here? Uh, I think we're good. Otherwise we'll, uh, we'll move on here. Uh, We got some time to talk about individual players in this game. We'll just alternate. Alec, you know, the rules you've, you've, been mm-hmm. on the show before but who's the first guy you want to talk about i mean i think it has to be chuck clark i mean we've talked about the plays already but a very cerebral game from him the green dot um well worn so to speak mm-hmm. uh just making very good impact plays getting other individuals in the right spot um and i think as you mentioned and we've talked about throughout the show really interested to see how his role progresses uh he's definitely a player that we'll have for years to come given the contract we gave him he's a big part of this defense going forward and you could see him being used more in a robber role as we continue to develop our safety talent yeah i think i think that the ravens will have more opportunities to do more with their safeties but wink uses the safety so much on the blitz angle right now that that actually takes away some of their opportunities to do other things in the box like read the quarterback run to the football uh, that would that would be 
you know, perhaps effective. On the back end, you know, you're looking for the back end of a bracket coverage, generally speaking, and there's less things you can do to, to, to probably rob the football. Uh, but if you want to, if you want to undercut a route, you know, do some of the things that Steelers teams have done in the past us, or do some of the things that Ed Reed could do whenever he freaking felt like it, uh, you know, doing that, having that robber uh, uh, position there can be very effective. And he's, uh, um, I think he has really good instincts and ability to read the quarterback and, and, you know, the film study, I, I, if what I'd really like to see out of Chuck Clark for 2022 is for him to become the leader of defensive film study. The Ravens will be losing some of their big leaders. They'll be losing Clayus Campbell and Brandon Williams. Um, Clayus Campbell, very big clubhouse, emotional leader. I don't know that he's a film leader, but Clark should be the guy who says, hey, everybody come on over to my house. We're doing film tomorrow night. And, and people have a hard time saying no to a veteran player. Mm-hmm. I want Geno Stone to not feel good about saying no to that. Sure. I want whoever we draft, even if they're in the second round, to not feel good about saying no to that. Um, all right. Anyway, Chuck Clark, a great player. I'm glad you hit on him. I, I, one of the players I was a little bit surprised by his usage in this game was Chris Westry because I expected him to be the starter. Very surprising yeah. to me that Seymour is oh, again yeah. in the slot here. Uh, you know, they they obviously had Tavon available. Tavon's ideal place to play him is in the slot, not not on the outside. But they choose to play Tavon on the outside and Seymour in the slot in this game. And to me. I don't know what Westry's injury status really is. He was playing special teams in the game. He was active. Uh, so it surprises me if, assuming he was active, you know, that, that it was just surprises me he was not used on defense in this game. Super surprising. He only had six snaps on special teams. Mm-hmm. Um, this actually goes right into the question uh, about this exact topic from uh, At Vengeance on Film mm-hmm. Study Mailbag. Uh, Ed, I believe is his name, and he asked us about this. I was I was also blown away uh, just by the usage, and I the only thing I can think of is a conditioning thing, recovering from COVID. Um, I I truly would not think it's because of what they've seen from Seymour the last few weeks, but mm-hmm. yeah, who knows? Well, so they they had five scores and they kicked off, of course, in one of the two halves. So those are the six plays that Westry was on in terms of um, special teams, I'd be 97% sure that, that he didn't play on a punt return or anything like that, although he certainly is capable of, of either probably covering a gunner on a, on a punt return. Um, but, they, yeah, you know, to me, if he's, if he's running all the way down the field and it requires that kind of conditioning, I'm still a little bit surprised that he wouldn't be in there playing corner. Or, you know, maybe you bring him in on third down and you take Seymour off the field, move Tavon to the slot, and you, and, you, and you have your best corners available for one play if there's a high effort and a wind situation going sure. on with Westry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very, very surprising. Another uh, player I'd like to point out is um, Tony Jefferson, who I believe has revived his career um, with this uh, brief appearance with the Ravens. Um, just seems like an immediate leader, right? An unbelievable impact. Uh, he could be that kind of veteran presence that maybe organizes people to come. Yeah. I know that people on Ravens Twitter have been talking about him being the new co-cap, the new Anthony Levine yes. kind of special teams figure. Um, I- I'm all about this. I-, I love what he's brought to the team. I truly do think he's having his best snaps as a Raven, uh, r- remarkably so, given uh, the time difference and all that good stuff with his uh, prime and everything. Um, really just a r- interesting reawakening. Yeah, I, I, I agree. He's, he's played terrifically well, and, and he's almost played so well that he might get a contract somewhere. So it's, it's the kind of thing yeah. that at age 30, 
I, you know, I can't say there's not some team out there that's going to say two years, four million because the cap's going up. You know, a lot of the tightness that, that occurred for this year, it's not necessarily there. But I mean, to me, he's a vet men guy and you give him a vet men plus 400,000, maybe he'll make, extend the guarantee slightly as they might have done for Levine in the past. But you 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 create some sort of, of favorable contract and then you create a leadership position on the team for him. And I think this is probably Levine's last year with the Ravens. Uh, I, 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 I always I, I never really predicted it like this before. I always thought, oh, he can be the guy. They'll sit down and set extra flexibility actually is good. But Levine, even despite the defensive snaps they've needed in desperation from him down the stretch here, um, I, I don't think he's he's the guy they really want out there. I think Jefferson is. And I think it makes all kinds of sense for him to come back. And he, he won't even have that limited a defensive role. I mean, he's, he'll be the third or fourth safety on a team that loves to use four safeties. And I actually think his role is as the quarter. Mm-hmm. That meaning that he's not the dime. I think, I think that you, when, when you have your best dime on, it's Stone on the back, uh, back end, it's Clark playing somewhere, and it's um, uh, Stevens probably also on the back end, but he can play at the line of scrimmage too if needed. So I think those are your best three. But mm-hmm. Jefferson is the fourth, is an ideal guy to replace the other inside linebacker, play zero inside linebackers on the play. And you, you maybe play three outside linebackers and one defensive lineman at the line of scrimmage and gives you a good pass rush opportunity. It gives Jefferson a lot of opportunity. Jefferson really successful against tight ends in the past. Mm-hmm. Be a be a ex- exceptional opportunity to use him. But so I think his role is bigger than Levine's would have been just as a pure dime back. Um, he would have some ability to be in a rotation of three safeties. And it also give you the uh, all important depth at safety that is not strictly special teams. So the Ravens have actually been hampered the last couple of years having a couple safeties in Richards and Levine who they really didn't want on the field defensively. And they've right. demonstrated that by keeping him off the field in some extreme situations where they've kept, say, Patrick Queen on the field, who, look, I'm not into bashing Patrick Queen every week, but Patrick Queen still is not a valuable asset in coverage. It's just that simple. Right. right? And he's a guy that the Ravens have rightfully taken off the field on third down. And, you know, if, if they want to do that, they've got to make sure they have three safeties. And the best way to make sure you have three safeties is to have four to make three and not three to make three because that gives you, you know, you're no flexibility. Yeah, 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 I 100% to have one is to have none. Yeah. Yeah, so, so you come from, a, from an IT background. Know, <laughs> yep. and, and, you know, if you only have one guy who knows how to code the system, first of all, that guy has you by the nuts. And, and, <laughs> and right. IT people, I, this is very true at my company. And, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think this is true universally, but IT people hoard proprietary knowledge like nobody's business because they understand how it affects their own uh, compensation. Yeah, so, I, can, I can definitely yeah. say that. I've seen that before. I, I don't. I, I I don't try to do it myself, but I've definitely seen it. <laughs> okay, so you're you're headed to bigger and better things, Alec, as a leader of IT. So now it's something you can live with. But ten years from now, when you're managing a department of twenty or something, you're going to be really pissed off about it. You're going to be pissed off that you can't cross train. Oh no, is, I've, for sure. Yeah. I, I've seen yeah. that. I've seen that problem as like a, a yeah. team lead and stuff. For sure. Yeah. No, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For sure. All right. Uh, so let's uh, uh, let's keep going here. What do we got before we got into this corporate America thing? Uh, we, we were talking about stars. I think there's one yeah. more we must talk about, uh, but okay, I'll let you start with them. 
Oh, I was oh, Ty Spouser. It's on your, uh, your sure. Article. Yeah, yeah. Ty, so Ty, Ty has, played a hundred percent of snaps, right? Yep. Um, he was the kind of the guy who stepped up in Oway's absence, um, playing. Like I said, 100% of the snaps, you saw Houston and Ferguson kind of splitting the other side. Um, and he made big impact plays. He was able to get that sack fumble. Um, and he also had good coverage plays. And, um, yeah, just all-around good, good game from Tyus. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I separated him. Playing all the plays, I think, hurts Tyus Bowser. I think he would do better to take a few plays off. But the Ravens didn't have a backup Sam linebacker in this game. They've really missed Dalen Hayes the entire year. Yes. He's a guy who I think they will develop into the second Sam. And then the Owe is the other guy. He's a wild card. But, you know, they, they need Owe as a pass rusher. That's the primary thing they want him for. But Owe is a guy who has the speed and has the tools and he, I mean, certainly he has so much speed. It'd be hard to believe that he couldn't learn how to be a good coverage linebacker. He's just ob- mm-hmm. obscenely fast. He's faster than virtually any other inside linebacker in the entire league. Yeah. Uh, I, it's you got a couple guys, I guess, playing safety who might might be just a just a smidge faster, but it's like point oh two seconds in the forty or whatnot. But they're not six five and two sixty, yeah. right? <laughs> like you know, you know the wingspan. There's there's a lot to it, right? Yeah, yeah. For sure. No, I, I, it'd be very exciting to see him do that. Uh, Harrison, another guy I wanted to make sure we talked about. He came in for one play to replace Queen. Queen had something funny going on. So I don't know if they caught it on TV at all, but I caught it at the, at the game looking across to the, to the opposite sideline. Something was being done with his shoes. And I think the officials said, you're injured, you have to leave for a play. And it was like right around the two-minute warning, or it was a change of quarter maybe, one or the other. Mm-hmm. And they made him sit out a play on defense and Harrison came in and played middle linebacker. But that's his first snap since week seven. So it's been 10 weeks since he's played a snap on defense. Yeah, a couple special teams uh, the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, really interesting. Um, it feels like one of those things where the Ravens are in a must-win situation. They're in a rhythm with Queen and Bynes, and they're not really breaking it at this point um, to introduce Harrison. That's kind of my, my play on it. Right. I mean, he doesn't have he, his position is gone. Mm-hmm. Since since the weak side linebacker position is being taken by Queen, so unless they did some replacement, and that's not the Ravens aren't looking to do that specifically. They sit binds for some play. They sit binds for Welch, mm-hmm. and they set binds for somebody else who I can't board? remember right or now. Uh, say it. Say it again. Board. 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 Yeah. They sit binds for board. So they, they've they've done both of those for for a few plays so far down the stretch here, but uh, they've shown no willingness to uh, to put Harrison in. So I, I wonder if if something's going on. He's a core special teamer. He's played almost all the special team snaps uh, during those games. So it's not like he doesn't have any role. It's just like it's it's Harbaugh might be still a little bit salty about what happened in Cleveland or the, the circumstances that led up to that, or perhaps something about his work ethic. Um, in practice, I, I don't think we'll ever know because he won't directly um, talk about that. But you know, when when a player usually sits out this long, is usually a reason. Yeah, we know that all too well with uh, Tyson Williams. So <laughs> yeah. Tyson Williams and and uh, Tim Williams. Yeah, yeah, Tim and, Williams too. Yeah, yeah. You, you go back and and you know, there's there's been a, Harbaugh's run a kennel. Uh, for a lot <laughs> yeah, yeah. of this time here, not just yeah. a, not just a dog. There's always been a few players. Yeah. Um, you you hit on the one really good mailbag question. I want you to make it. Thanks for thanks for doing that at the at the right time, Alec. Appreciate mm-hmm. you doing that. You can tell somebody else, you know, runs their own show and kind of has the control of the show when they come in and they and they hit the mailbag up directly when it's appropriate during the show. Really appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, Brandon Williams. Uh, another guy, and, and I, a lot of the players I'm looking at with regard to 2022, 
is is what's going on. And I think Brandon Williams will play his last game as a Raven. And, you know, this is a Ben Roethlisberger tribute game. The biggest tribute we can give to Brandon Williams, get him a sack going out in Roethlisberger. Get him a win, but get him a sack would be really sweet. Uh, you know, he's... What is Brandon Williams' career sack total right now? I'm going to look that up while like, you know, give you a chance to respond. I, I agree with you. I do think it would not surprise me in the slightest to see one of those three elder statesmen, so to speak, on the defense find their way back on a one-year deal. Yeah, It would not shock me at all. Um, we were having the conversation of like how many teams really want Brandon Williams. Right, mm-hmm. just because of the way they play the play ball, it's not anything against him, and I think he's had a huge resurgence in the second half. I, I think it clearly shows he was hurt in some way, um, and has recovered because uh, he's playing way better in the second half of the season. But uh, yeah, I think there's there's maybe a market for him. I think Calais is much more, uh, you know marketable so to speak and, and so oh, it's yeah. Houston at this point so those could be the two that, that get away because um, someone's willing to pay them more than we are and they you know choose to go that route uh, it'd have to be I believe a competitor though I think they're both at the stage of their career they want to play to win and they know that the Ravens are a place to do that so it wouldn't shock me if there's a way that we find them both back um, but again it, it's, it's going to be an interesting year when it comes to the cap yeah it's you know one of the reasons I think you're right and that they will get one of the three back is it's just too much of a rebuilding project. They're, they're going to – Wolf uh, may or may not be back. A back injury, obviously uh, – he's under contract, and I think it may be too expensive to cut him anyway. They it may, is. It, so, so there's – you know, he's, he's probably going to be around, but he may be rehabbing the whole year if it's a back injury. So, you know, you don't know, you know what he's got. And Carball kind of – one of the only players that he was willing to talk about was Derek Wolf. I don't think he's going to play this year before he even got the, the second – yeah. IR designation. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'd be worried about him playing next year at all. Obviously, Campbell still probably the Ravens' best defensive player this year. You could argue Bowser, but it's but I think it might be Campbell. And and if if they could get him back for a year at the right price, I'd do it. Brandon Williams, you know, I'd like him to, to spend one more year as a Raven at a greatly reduced salary. And I think, you know, it, it's probably a Jimmy Smith type deal where he makes $3 million for one year. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. kind of thing. I mean, he he doesn't play a lot of snaps. It's it's not like it's not like you know for twenty five to twenty eight snaps a game or whatever that the Ravens would really use him next year. That would seem like it's outrageous. It, uh, he may decide he doesn't want to do it. I would I would completely back him if he decides he wants to walk away from the game. But boy, he'd be he'd be he he could be the right player at the right price. Ken, one other person I want to talk about is Jimmy Smith. A lot of people are talking about him maybe playing his last game as a Raven as well. And I, yeah. I don't know if there's been anything I've... I don't think I've heard anything to suggest that being the case other than, well, he doesn't have a contract and he's getting up there in age. Uh, has he made any hints that he could be retiring after this year? Uh, no, but we've seen some things. I, I mean, I've just kind of assumed it, but you know what? I've assumed it for about the last, what, six years for Jimmy Smith? Oh, well, no, that's I mean, a, just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, man. I mean, I had the conversation with uh, Jason from Hollow Up Films on his preview show. He didn't uh-huh. think he'd go the whole game, and sure enough, he played all 100% percent of the snaps. So, like, part of me was like they were saving him for this scenario, right? That they were hoping, you know, they wouldn't have to use him in a full game yeah, like that. Right. But they were saving him. And I don't know. Maybe, maybe he still has something. I don't think he played horribly by any stretch of the imagination i don't know it's interesting yeah but i know he just had another child so who knows he could retire the thing i've been saying this year is jimmy smith is too valuable to play it's too valuable as the fourth corner to play at corner 
Right. So they, they, it's like they, they it's, it's not, it used to be because they were, you know, they started off using them at safety some in the, in the beginning of the year when they really needed them back there in the dime. Uh, that, that, you know, that kind of made sense. And, and I guess if you had a truly versatile player who could do either, and I think Stevens is really more that guy than Smith is at this point, mm-hmm. uh, that, that you would prefer to do it that way. Um, but Smith will be 34 next year, and I just I don't know. He, the, the, the comment that Harbaugh made, which is somewhat damning because it's been a consistent issue for, for Smith, is that he was moving around better than he has at any time this year. Mm-hmm. And right there, that tells me moving around has been an issue the entire year for Jimmy Smith because it wasn't like he looked great in this game. He was okay, right? And I, you know, I, I'm, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see another three million dollar deal. But maybe there's, a, maybe there's a vet man deal. Maybe there's something you you bring him back and you and you, you try and have him be the fifth corner and be a good clubhouse guy and do all the things. Uh, you know that Jimmy Smith has brought to the uh, brought to the team. The Ravens have a lot of concerns at cornerback. A lot of guys, you know, either coming back from injury or not going to be back at all. Like Marcus Peters, I I don't see him coming back. Mm. Yeah, that one pains me, but I hear you. Yeah. Yep. All right, we don't do MVPs after a loss. Uh, I think we've done the mailbag good justice here so far. Uh, Anything else we want to talk about, Alec? This is your your chance to soapbox about the 2021 Ravens and what 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 do they really need for 2022? If you want to talk about that in terms of the defense, oh man, that's a that's such a good question. It's one of those things where I think the defensive line. There's obviously a big conversation about them aging out, and we're talking about mm-hmm. the big turnover. So even though we've seen some good splashes from Matabike and even um, some of these other guys got called into action with more snaps, Washington, um, and- Washington and Mac, I think there's still value in investing there. And we, we saw it on display. I'm, obviously I'm not thinking the Ravens are able to get a guy of Aaron Donald's pedigree, but if you can get a dominant player there, it really changes the way you play defense. So that's a place. Um, you never have too many corners. You never have too many safeties. Um, I think they're, you know, in a good spot. I'm, I'm very encouraged by what I've seen out of OA this year. I saw so much nice uh, play out of Hayes in the preseason that I have confidence when he gets healthy and right that he could also be an asset for the team. Um, but, you know, I think it's definitely a year that they need to just keep filling up the roster with youth because as they transition money to the offense, they'll need it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Um, and uh, the Ravens have 10 picks right now. They could have more by the time they actually do the draft. Um, and it wouldn't shock me. I know DeCosta said he wants 20 picks in the next two years and, you know, he's halfway there. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, the average NFL team has eight picks, so it's not like 10 picks is too much of a stretch. Uh, the Ravens will be drafting in a little bit better position. Uh, than they have in previous years in terms of having some higher value picks. Uh, but they still won't have a ton of draft capital. You can't compete with the, with the teams at the top of the you know, mm-hmm. first round, and, you, and those players just are really not available to you. So you have to, you have to deal with guys who are not the Aaron Donald level three tech uh, that you want. The other, the other thing the Ravens have got themselves into a little bit of a box on, and this, this is something that is a structural issue with the defensive line, is they now lack the harder positions, some of the harder positions to fill. They don't have a top-end nose tackle 
um, uh, available. And I'm assuming Brandon Williams goes and that Ellis is really done at this point because yeah. that appears like it might be true also. But, but if they're going to go out and get a nose tackle, you know, they could get a developmental nose and get a guy who can help them right away if they want to draft a couple rounds higher. This, those aren't super expensive positions. The Ravens have shown a, an ability to get those in the past, but they're probably harder to find than the dominating three techs because those guys flash on film. You can really see what you've got a lot of the time. And then unfortunately, the Ravens had two guys who had that three-tech capability, and no one anywhere else, really, that they can really depend on. So Matabike is a very quick guy, uh, undersized, way undersized to be a nose tackle, so you know he wouldn't right. be playing there. And then uh, Washington, I think, has secu- with his play this year, has secured his spot on the 2022 Ravens, but uh, I don't think he's, he's an obvious... Um, he's not big enough to play the nose at just over 300 pounds. Uh, he's really more of a three-tech, and once you once you put him there, then he's overlapping what Matabike gives you, and he's the backup to Matabike. Well, that's bad in multiple ways. First of all, it means you can't draft a three tech yeah. if you want a really dominant one. You, you, you're, you're stuck drafting five techs and nose. The five tech in particular, that's a very hard position to find. It's also a position that's devalued in the NFL because when you play nickel, you don't have a five tech on the field. So. Yeah, I, I I think uh you're pointing out a lot of really good things. Um there's always the science of uh what's an impact player, cornerstone player versus a yeah. more um you know, you can plug and play, um complimentary, so to speak, mm-hmm. player. Um yeah, I I completely agree with you and it it's very nuanced to draft with that in mind, right? Like it's always nice to go best player available, but you might get yourself because you, you just got yourself the best player available in a position you found complimentary anyways, and your scheme doesn't really, you know, accent. Right. Yep. Yeah, you, 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 you definitely, I agree with BPA, generally speaking, but if you don't, if you don't use a BPA, so if you're a wide receiver for the Ravens, frankly, for many years, mm-hmm. if you've got Kyle Bowler, quarterback, you're probably going to waste a pick on a wide receiver. Sure, so sure. You're, you're, or, or really any of the guys the Ravens had between Testaverde and Flacco, you're going to, and some would say Flacco too, but between Testaverde and Flacco for sure, um, you, you're just wasting wide receiver uh, talent. Yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a great point. And then you can say the same thing with, with defense too, right? Like, I mean, it, it's definitely, a, and it kind of goes again to, into roster building with the Rams, right? Where you look at how they have just bought all their course, uh, you know, cornerstone players yeah. by just drafting away all the draft capital. And, I, I don't love that personally. I don't. I don't that's not why I would run my uh, my dynasty, so to speak. But uh, you know, it's a way. Yeah, you know, this is one of the things about this that you know we've gotten in, in a fair number. of Voss, who comes on the show regularly, yeah, yeah. is a big fan of uh, roller coaster expenditure of draft capital and cap. So he's he and, and I don't think I'm I don't think I'm misstating this. So he would rather you go hard, you know, have fifteen percent additional. That's a, that's a, a slight overstatement. But you have you 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 throw more of your assets into certain years, and then every four to five years you have a rebuilding year where you have to purge. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's viable and i really don't think it's viable in a covid world so we just saw what covid can do to a team in any year and it wouldn't matter how good you are because the ravens roster was unbelievably good it was still good even after they had a lot of injuries mm-hmm. but it was it was completely unsustainable in a covid world well you know we're we're 
what four variants in or whatever it's been so far. I mean, sure. I, I I really don't know, but uh, but we could be eleven variants in, you know, three years from now and still not seeing the end of this. And I think one of the things that really is going to encourage is for teams to do a lot, very levelized spending. There may even be some banking of money, hoping that the the, the epidemic is the pandemic is finally going to go away at some point. I think it's more a case of it's going to be management. They're going to have to find the right tools to decide that. But they that may take you know, two years for them to really figure out how to do it. There's so much resistance still in the players union to getting um, uh, vaccinated slash boosted. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and also you just look at the injuries, right? Like injuries are just higher the last two years for sure. Not just talking about Ravens talking league wide and you get that variance thrown in there. Uh, You saw it decimate San Francisco last year, right? right. That was their uh, opportunity to just get wrecked by injury. And yeah, I just, I, I, you don't know what you don't know, and mm-hmm. I think it. And then you've seen we've seen the experiment fail, right? Where you you spend draft capital. Granted, we got it back with. Uh, oh, why am I blanking on his name now? Ngakwe. Oh, yeah. uh, no, we got it back with Ngakwe because uh, you know yeah, we got, we're getting the comp pick, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, those kind of trades I don't mind. It, it's more so the big big ones that we've seen from the Rams that's just not my style and I don't I agree with you I think you know in a salary cap world yes you can keep kicking the can we're seeing a lot of teams trying it right now I just think it hasn't been long enough to see him uh, get bit by it yet right I I, it's interesting because George Allen who also of course was with the Rams for a while when he was with the Redskins uh, in the early 70s it traded away some extraordinary number of draft picks. I mean, Mike Dick through the whole traded the entire draft away to get to draft one player, but Allen traded his you know entire drafts away or his first five six picks in some years to get a bunch of players who are already in the league, and that led to the over the hill gang Redskins, uh, you know, just still hanging around on the fringe of the playoffs for for a few years. I, I do think the Rams are going to get theirs. With, with what they're doing, I think that it, it will come back to bite them. If they don't win the Super Bowl this year, I think their strategy may have been a failure. And, you know, that's where I want the, def, the people to define very carefully what's a win on the season. If you make a Super Bowl, is that a win? If you win the Super Bowl, is that the only way you win? If, if, if you Because I, I, I love long playoff runs, period. I want my team to have as many chances to be in the playoffs, to make long playoff runs, to have a roster that can compete there as much as possible. But I'm not all tied up in the notion that it's championship or bust. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to understand from people what represents a win, and then maybe I could understand some of the reason why people don't like the level franchise building strategy. I'll, I'll leave it with this one last point, too. I do think when you build this culture of buying assets um, and not so much homegrown, I think it's a bad culture overall. Yeah. I don't think the. I mean, I I 100% believe the Ravens are eight and eight right now with what they've gone through because of culture. It, mm-hmm. Other teams with this impact would have been way worse. And there's something to be said about it being homegrown. The whole like play like a Raven, um, the mantra, the indoctrination, so to speak, from draft to now, uh, the way they bring up young players. Um, you know, there's a buy-in in that in that organization from top to bottom that you can't buy, right? You can't buy buy-in, and that's huge. 
Yeah, and, they, and being able to pick your players like that as opposed to demonstrated talent at the NFL level <laughs> does give you some options there. But, you know, we just saw Jalen Ramsey and Rap. I didn't know this had happened you know, yeah, at the game. Fought. All of a sudden, somebody brings up that on their phone. Hey, look, they had a fight before the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I would not want that. And just watching Jalen Ramsey's infantile behavior since he's been with the Rams and then understanding the cost of his contract and whatnot, it, it, it'll be... A little surprising to me if that contract really works out for, mm-hmm. for, for the Rams. Obviously, he's been a good player uh, so far. He's, he's thought of as being one of the best corners in the entire NFL, but, uh, but yeah, we'll see. All right, uh, Alec, I'm sorry. We're running over here. we got to call it good. here for the night. But uh, uh, great talking football with you again, my friend, and, uh, and good to hear. I, I understand you and your wife are looking for a house, and I hope you, uh, you find what you're looking for. I know it's been a tough market. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it, Ken. I appreciate uh, showing us around the one time in your neighborhood, and uh, and I know that um, we'll be close by for sure, undoubtedly. Uh, so we'll have to watch some games maybe on a, a Sunday when the Ravens are in town and not playing. That'd be great. Well, we'll we'll make that happen because I've, I've been meaning to have people over for that too. That'd be a that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, if other people out there, if you want to do a 25 years episode, but maybe even more so, if you want to do a series of episodes during the off season on a particular topic, you can do one to three shows, I'm thinking, that are focused on a topic and maybe three 30-minute shows we're talking about doing. I'm looking for ways that will aggregate good content during the off season. so I'd love to hear your ideas about that. If you want to do a 25 years episode, you know the rules, narrow topic. 20 to 25 minutes of discussion so we can go into some depth on it and uh, hit me on DMs on Twitter are all open and love to hear from you. Alec, thanks again for coming on, my friend. Yep. Thanks, guys. And you can follow me at Ravens underscore recap on Twitter. Absolutely. I'm sorry I did not. Hit you <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> and uh, We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. <laughs> This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.